distance in somebody's life. And we, now, knowing that, hey, we're going to go up onto the mountainside, have great prayer lives, get everything out, we're going to be filled with faith. Man, we change ourselves, so that way we go into the world and change others as well. ready to get into the Word of God this morning, uh, please get out your Bibles and uh, your scriptures, and it's so awesome to have technology today. We have the Bible on our phone, right? So I love the physical Bible. I like actually having a physical Bible, you know, uh, but it's awesome to have it on your phone as well. But let's get out our Bibles and let's get uh, ready to get into the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I just want to also say that... Uh, you know, I know I get up here every single Sunday uh, to preach in front of you guys, and, you know, to be honest, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to have such a great family, uh, such an amazing family. It's awesome to come into a service where I can look into the crowd and really know what's going on in each individual one of your guys' lives. Like, I know what's happening because we're all really close to each other. You know, we're not just a family here on Sunday morning, but we're a family even Monday through Saturday. And we're all in each other's lives, and it's awesome. And that helps me be able to put the lessons together uh, to be able to give you guys the Word of God to, to help you guys, you know. And uh, it also helps me, and I'm grateful that you guys would even take the time to just listen to what I have to say. Amen. So I wanted to thank you guys and, and say that I love you guys and love the family. Amen. Well, the title of the lesson this morning is Anyone Can Change. Anyone Can Change. And I, I picked this title because, you know, isn't that the reason why we're here this morning? Didn't you come to service with, with a thought, with a, with a hope, with a, with a dream or, or a vision? Like, hey, I'm coming to service and there's something that I want to change in my life. You know, I, I want to get closer to God. And naturally, spiritually, as you get closer to God, what's going to happen to your life? You're going to change. And we're going to explore this and we're going to look at, you know, that anyone can change that means you this morning and these seats can change and that means any person that we can meet on the outside of this room has the potential and the hope to change their lives as well you know my first point for you guys change starts with the man in the mirror change starts with the man in the mirror and uh, you guys might know where that phrase comes from it comes from a very popular song by a artist named Michael Jackson and, uh, you know, I'll read the lyric for you guys. I have it here. You know, the lyric goes, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If they want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. You know, change starts with us, right? If we want to have an impact, if we want to help those people around us, You've got to be able to change yourself. You know, let's go over to Luke chapter 9 and verse 28. Let's go look at a very, you know, I think a spiritual thing that we talk about a lot, but we don't understand really the power of it that can help us change. Luke chapter 9. Starting in verse 28. Give me an amen when you're there. Luke chapter 9 verse 28. And as you can see, this part of the, the scripture has a, uh, a title or a heading, and the heading would say the transfiguration. A uh, very key moment in the scriptures of Jesus' ministry and of Jesus' life 
But I think it's awesome. It's not just applicable to Jesus, but it's applicable to us today. You know, Luke chapter 9, verse 28, it says, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke of his departure, which he was about to fulfill in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions, they were very sleepy, and, you know, we can relate to that sometimes, amen. They said, but they, they became fully awake. They saw his glory and two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it, it is good for us to be here. Let us, let us put up some shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You know, we can have a light, nice little camp on the mountainside, you know, eat some hot dogs or some s'mores with, with Moses and Elijah, amen. And I like the, the part where it says right after in parentheses, he did not know what he was saying. You ever just like speak out of like, you're not even thinking, you don't even go through the thought process, you just, you know, you say whatever's on your mind. That's what Peter was doing right here. It says, while he was speaking, like almost to interrupt Peter to like get him to stop talking, right? It says, as Peter was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Peter, stop listening to yourself. Listen to Jesus. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. Wow, this is an incredible passage of scripture. And man, we can, we can break down so many different things in this scripture. You know, but really we want to focus on very simply what Jesus was doing on the mountain. And he takes his closest friend, he goes up to the mountainside for one purpose. And what was that purpose? To pray. You know, prayer is something that as disciples, we can get very mundane. It can get very, you know, uh, just, uh, what, what's a desensitized, uh, desensitized uh, habitual in prayer. And we forget how powerful prayer can be in our life. It can change you. You know, right here, it actually changes Jesus from his physical form to his spiritual form. You know, to transfigure or transfiguration, what that means is it's defined as a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. You know, it goes really importantly, this is when Jesus shows that he is the Messiah. But he only shows it to Peter, James, and John on the mountainside when he's praying it was really to show them that, hey, this is the Son of God and even God in human form. You know, it's awesome. Jesus transfigures. He, he changes into a beautiful spiritual state. You know, he got like a whole new outfit. You know, when you get like that new school outfit right before like, you know, it's your first day of college. You like picked out just the right outfit or, uh, you know, you get new shoes or something like that. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to wear some new clothes sometimes, you know. You know, wearing the same for like two years or something. Even if you just get something from the thrift store, you know. I mean, we're not balling on them, but you know, we, got, we have a budget around here, amen. But like Jesus gets all decked out in fresh white clothing. He says it was a flash of lightning. And even some other uh, 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 of the gospels say that his face was radiant like lightning itself as well. 
No, this was because of his prayer with God. Would you describe your prayer life like this? Is this how you leave your prayer? Is this how you are in your prayers? That you actually transfigure, you turn something, you know, physical, something normal that you're going through or something that you may have been struggled with and turn it into something beautiful and spiritual. You know, as disciples, we can forget that this is what our prayer life is meant to be like. You know, what do you want to change about yourself? What do you need to transfigure? What do you need to make more spiritual about yourself? Maybe, maybe it's the situation that you're in right now. Maybe it's the financial situation that you're in right now. You need to go up to a really high mountainside to get <laughs> even closer to God to change that situation. You know, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your, uh, your heart. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe it's what you're going through spirit. Maybe you just want to be spiritual again. You know, prayer can do that for you. Uh, prayer is a thing that can change you. And a lot of times we pray and, and we expect something out of it, but, you know, we don't, we don't pray consistently. We pray things for one time, one time only, and then we think that God is going to answer it, and we forget to pray about that thing the next day. Then you got to have some push prayers. Push is, a, is an acronym. Pray until something happens. That means you pray about that situation. You pray about your heart. You pray about your emotions. Whatever it is, you pray until that thing changes. You know, a scripture that I love about prayer is Psalm chapter 5. Let's go over there. Psalm chapter 5. You know, this was Jesus' quiet time. You know, not just prayer, but also reading. You know, uh, how do we know that Jesus was reading the word of God? It says that Moses and Elijah was there. Well, what does Moses represent? It was the law that was talking about the fulfillment of Jesus. And then Elijah represents the prophets that talked about his, uh, his coming as well. So Jesus is in the word of God and praying. Look how important your quiet times are. Amen. Psalm chapter 5 in verse 1. It says right here. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lameness. Hear my cry for help, my king and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. You know, I love this, this scripture about prayer so much. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like, prayer is a lot of times we, we talk about talking to God. And uh, it's kind of weird to talk to God sometimes because you're like, man, he's the almighty, all-powerful creator of the universe. He knows everything I'm going through. Like, we can sometimes have very shallow prayers with God because, you know, it's like, oh, he already knows everything, right? Or we can, we can go to prayer and we can be very righteous in front of God in our prayers. You know, you try to go to prayer and like put on a front with God. And uh, you know, you ever been with your best friend and uh, you know when your best friend or like somebody that you're really close to is like putting on a front. You can tell like almost instantly, you know, hey, like, it's good to see you. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm doing everything is great. Everything is good. And you're like, that's a lie, bro. Stop lying to me. What are you talking about? Well, why, why, why do you want to put on? I know you. I know you better than you know you. You know what I'm saying? We, we've been friends for a long time, you know? It's very easy to tell. And if that's how it is with, like, physical friends, human being friends, like, how much more our friend God? And why, why do you try to put on a front when you go in prayer? You know, you know I, I love this because it says in the scripture, it says, consider my lambness. You know what, do you know what a lambnet is? A lamnet is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. There's actually a book 
in the Bible called Lamentations. Uh, it's actually the, the book of Jeremiah the prophet, and Jeremiah the prophet was known as a weeping prophet, which means a lot of times he went to prayers with God and wept bitterly. Uh, and Lamentations is, is his journal of his prayers when he wept bitterly, right? Uh, but, like, when you go to your prayer, like, you don't, you don't have to act like everything's great and good. You know, God wants, God wants the dark, the deep, the dirty, the gritty side of you. He wants to know what's really going on in your life. He wants you to get all of that out. He wants you to lament. He wants you to cry. He wants you to get open. He wants you to be frustrated. He wants you to be angry because that's really what you're feeling. That's really what you're going through. You know, it's funny, like, people, like uh, we, we go through these things and we immediately, like, I have to go talk to, to my mentor in my life. I have to go talk to my friend in life about these things and why I'm struggling with it. I don't get why I'm struggling with these things. You know what my first question is when, when people come to me like that? I go, did you pray about it? Well, like, I, I prayed, like, God would be with me this morning. Okay, did you pray about your specific situation? Well, like, I prayed for others. Well, that's good. That's awesome. But did you pray about your situation? Well, I prayed about it like two weeks ago, and, and God still hasn't answered me. Okay, what about like the last 14 days? Did you pray about it? Well, no, but like I've been re- like, no, you're not wrestling with it. You haven't been talking to God about it. You know, our prayers where we can be transparent, vulnerable, even angry. We can get real with God. God wants all of that. You know, there's a saying, it says, what do you gain from prayer? You know, uh, some people can like, well, you, you don't gain anything. You don't gain any materialistic things when you get in a prayer. Like, like nothing happens right after. But I can tell you what I lose. Maybe I, I'm not gaining things, but I can tell you what I'm losing. I can tell you I'm losing my anger. I'm losing my ego. I'm losing my greed. I'm losing my depression, my insecurity, my fear. You know, the answer to your prayer can be losing things, which is the ultimate gain. And we go to our prayer. You got you to gotta have an expectance when you go to your prayer. It says, I, I laid my request before God and I waited expectantly. You know, sometimes we just pray and we're like, I hope, I Lord willing, God does this. Like, God loves you. He's your child. He cares for you. Of course he's going to will it. Like, is this your prayer life? Are you going up to the mountainside and being transformed, transfigured? in your prayer life you know i have an application for you guys i want to challenge you guys this week because a lot of people have been coming to me and i love you guys and i know we're much more spiritual than than how we've been acting and a lot of us have been struggling with things we want to change certain things about our life but i can tell you the re like what why it's not changing is because you haven't been praying about it you haven't been wrestling with god in your prayer you know write five things that you want to change about your life and push prayer it, meaning you pray until that thing changes. You pray until something happens. So you're going to pray for those five things every single day until they change. And then guess what? You can put another thing in there, and then you have five more things that God can change in your life. And it's actually, you're going to have a list, and you're going to look back. You're going to reflect in a month, two months, a year. Be like, dang, God has done all these things. Man, like, it, it builds your faith when you see answered prayers in your life. And then pray every single day for an hour. Maybe you don't have, like, you know, I don't have a great attention span, so talking for an hour is, like, pretty hard for me. So, like, maybe you could do 30 minutes in the morning. Maybe you do 30 minutes at night. Uh, or maybe you do uh, three times uh, or, or you do, six, you know, 10 minutes six times a day, whatever it is. But get that prayer time in. 
Look what it did for Jesus. It literally changes Jesus's form and it can change you as well. You know, you can change yourself so you can change others. And that's my second point for you guys. You can change others. Let's go look at a guy that Jesus met and had to change. Let's go over to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Now that we're like fired up to change ourselves, we got to be fired up to change others. Amen. Mark chapter 5. It makes me me just want to go have a good prayer time right now. You know what I'm saying? I wish there was mountains in Oklahoma. There ain't no mountains around here. Go up, go up on a nice hill. Okay. It's a spiritual mountain. I don't need to say it's a spiritual mountain. Your, your spiritual mountain can be your car, you know. You know? Spiritual mountain can be your car. Your spiritual mountain can just, you know, uh, you know, make a little war room out of your closet or something like that. Uh, it could be a walk for your neighborhood or something like that. Go find your spiritual mountain, amen. Mark chapter 5, let's see when Jesus changes a man. In verse 1, it starts with, it says, They, being Jesus and his disciples, went across the lake to the region of uh, Gesserines, where Jesus got out of the boat. And a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore those chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out and even cut himself with stones. You know, Jesus meets a guy that most of us would not even approach today. Like, he comes up on the, the, the shoreline, and out of the tombs, which is like catacombs, people, uh, bodies are buried in. That's where this guy is living. And what's crazy is that this, this passage of scripture is in every single gospel. And other scriptures kind of shed light on it. Uh, each gospel kind of adds in a little point to it. If you read Luke, it says that he came out and often had no clothes. So, like, this guy had, like... Not even, he's approaching Jesus with no clothes on. This is weird. Like, hold on. We're, like, kind of scared of this guy. Like, he has cuts and bruises. He's probably really dirty. He probably smells really bad. And, and Jesus sees this guy. And, and most of us today, if we saw a guy like this or, or, or a woman like this, we wouldn't even want to approach them. Because we feel like, man, like, can this person even change? You know, what was going on in this guy's life? You know, he's probably an outcast. Right. It says that people tried to bind him, chain him. He probably lived in the villages and the towns at one point. And due to his problems, uh, it says they had impure spirit. Uh, Later, we'll we'll hear his name, but it said he had a lot of problems and they probably took him. They're like, man, you're too much for us to handle. They chained him up and threw him out of the town. And the only the only home that he could find is amongst the dead. That's the only people that would accept him. People that aren't even alive. And this guy is probably an outcast, probably has nobody to talk to. Uh, it says that he was chained up. He lived inside of tombs where bodies are decaying. It said that he would cry out every single night. It said that he cried out so loud in other gospels that the people in the towns could literally hear him. And it says that he was even physically harming himself because of the pain that he was going through, the spiritual pain or the emotional pain that he needed to drown it out with physical pain. 
And then on top of that, you know, he had impure spirits in him. So he, he was wrestling with demons inside of him as well. You know, what's crazy is that, you know, we see this in uh, uh, the scripture. Uh, we're like, man, that's pretty common for Jesus' time. You know, Jesus, you know, had to deal with these people. But I, I would put before you is that we were to go around this area, go around Norman, go around Oklahoma City, go around all of Oklahoma and, and the world, the United States, and all over. And if you were to peel back the roof, look into the homes, look into the people's lives at night, we would find the same thing. We would find people that very easily relate to this guy. And maybe even today we're, we're sitting here and, you know, we might be reading the scripture and we relate to Jesus. We're trying to put ourselves in Jesus' shoes. But maybe we relate more to this guy living in the tombs. Maybe everything around you, you see it not as alive, but as dead. And you're feeling pain. You're hurting yourself. Maybe even physically hurting yourself. And it's easy to see. We've all, you know, either, either come from broken homes, families that are struggling. Those late nights when you would pray, you know, maybe for the divorce not to happen in your family or for your family to stay together. Or you had to choose a decision between living with mom or dad or whatever it was, right? Or maybe you were an outcast in, in school. Maybe you're too weird or had too many problems for people to be your friends, right? Like, it's easy to see that. And if we didn't go through that ourselves, we had friends that went through that. You know, I imagine, you know, in high school or, or walking around or even in college, we always knew that one friend that always wore long sleeves. Even in the, the, the dead of summer, is the hottest parts of the summer, and they would always wear long sleeves or hoodies or jackets. And you'd see them, and they'd pull up their sleeve, and you could see the, the cuts on their wrist or the physical pain. Like, we know, the, we know those people exist. And we see those people on our day-to-day, -day, and we can actually struggle to share with those people. But those are the people that need it the most. You know, why could we struggle with sharing with these people or trying to change these people's lives? You know, you can see him be like, man, that person has too many problems. That would be a hard conversion. That person, you know, you would have to deal with them. And maybe they won't become a true disciple and get baptized and, and, until a month or two months later. I'm looking for a quick baptism. I'm looking for a quick conversion. Or maybe you see these people and you're like, man, they're, they're not even open. Like they got too much going on in their life. Or maybe you're like, man, I, I just recently got baptized. I just recently became a disciple and started living this life. There's no way that this person is going to follow me. But all this ne person needs is to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's all this person needed. This, that's all this man needed was to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we can actually get into the presence of Jesus Christ by just hopping into a Bible study today. What do we find Jesus today? In the word of God. You know, there's a saying that we have. People are as open, or people are only as open as your mouth is. People are as only open as your mouth is. You know, we can, we can kind of decide if a person is open or not without even talking to them sometimes. We make that decision in our head. But yeah, if we're only open our mouth, hey, why don't you just come to a Bible study or a Bible talk discussion? Or maybe, hey, why don't you come out to church with me? Or hey, even... If that's too much for you, like, hey, can I buy you a meal? Can I take you out to lunch? Can I just learn more about your life, what you're going through? That can make a difference in somebody's life. And we, now, knowing that, hey, we're going to go up onto the mountainside, have great prayer lives, get everything out, we're going to be filled with faith. Man, we change ourselves, so that way we go into the world and change others as well. You don't want to challenge us. Even no matter how old you are spiritually, maybe you just recently got baptized or maybe you've been a disciple for a while. I want us to all go out and get a personal Bible study this week. Man, maybe it's your classmate. 
don't let social media fool you. You know, you see these people post online, they only post the highlights, but they don't know, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what's happening late night when you peel back the roof and see what they're going through or the late night cries or the, 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 the hurtingness or whatever it is, right? Let's have, a, let's have a personal decision, a personal conviction that we're going to go out, we're going to share with a classmate, a coworker, somebody we meet at Walmart or that person on the street, whatever it is. And we can go out and get somebody personally to meet Jesus Christ and into a Bible study. Let's go out and make a difference, amen. My third point for you guys, giving makes an eternal difference. Let's continue on with the story and see what happens with this guy. You know, in verse 6, it says, same chapter, verse 6. I hope we didn't turn anywhere else. I mean, we, you know, maybe we did. Awesome, right here in verse 6. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on, on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of the voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. I don't know about you guys, but uh, you guys ever seen the movie Venom? You ever seen Tom Hardy's Venom when he's like, we are Venom. That's how I like, I, I imagine this guy saying, we are Legion. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> I thought your name was going to be like Dale or <laughs> Steve. You know, I, that's what, <laughs> okay, Legion, like, have a great day, you know. He said, we are Legion. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hills. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and where they drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the whole town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Amen. He got some clothes on. Thank God. But thank the Lord he was in his right mind as well. It says, and they were afraid, which is funny because like through this whole thing, like we, we imagine that Jesus is alone with this guy. And no, but it, the whole town was out to see him. His disciples were there. The whole town was there, and they were seeing what was going on between Jesus and this guy, Legion. And it's funny, like, through the whole thing, like, him saying Legion and, uh, you know, him being cut up, coming out of the tomb, naked, weird, right, uh, like, all these different things, it never says that they were afraid. But until they see the change in this guy's life and that he was dressed in his right mind, that's when they were afraid. That's when, like, what is going on here? That, that guy, Jesus, is crazy, right? It's like kind of like a funny scenario like why did jesus cast out the demons into the pigs and then like you see a herd of like two thousand pigs running down their side like it was a crazy spectacular moment like people are like witnessing this like what the heck is going on all those pigs are drowning and they're like what the heck right you know I if we kind of break it down the pigs weren't just animals they were very valuable you know as uh, even today pigs are very valuable you know you go to the store and you see how much bacon costs oh, <laughs> you know what i mean you know package of bacon is like eight dollars or something like that like pigs are very valuable and even like back then they were even more valuable it was livestock 
it was a commodity. It, w- it was something that, that cost something, right? You know, I looked up how much a farm pig is. <laughs> and uh, depending on the pig, depending on the size, you can range anywhere between $100 to, to $400. So let, let's just call it right in the middle. Let's say $200 for a pig. How many pigs were in this herd? 2,000. All right, quick math. 2,000 times 200. It's $400,000. Now, now, now you know why the, the herders were like running out there. They're like, no! All that money, you know? Like, yeah, it was like, four, uh, four, and that was back then. Imagine like our economy now, like inflation, like, I don't even, it's a lot. It's a lot of money just right into the ocean. But it shows you $400,000. That's what it costs to save this guy's life. $400,000. Like, how many digits is that? Six digits? I've never seen my bank account get out of like three digits. <laughs> And that's like barely, you know, it barely hit that three digits. That was like from financial aid back in college, you know. $400,000 was the price of this man's soul. You know, how much is a soul worth to you today? You know, we have missions coming up, which is, uh, if you don't know what special missions is, it's where uh, every single year we raise money, um, you know, for fundraising and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, outside of our regular weekly contribution, we raise even more funds, uh, one, to support the church here locally, but also to send to foreign mission fields all around the world. And uh, I know I've been announcing that missions is actually going to be up for us here, uh, the church, but we actually have a goal to give, to send to foreign mission teams that we're planting all around the world. And, uh, it, it, you know, we could see that and be like, man, we're a small church. We need all the help that we can get, you know. But, man, it, it's such a privilege and an honor and it's such a high, uh, uh, amazing thing to be able to help other people around the world become disciples as well. And maybe we can't be there physically. You can't be physically in, uh, you know, in, in the, the Middle East or physically in the Philippines or physically in, in Africa or wherever it is. But, man, like our presence and our change can be there as well. How so? By our giving. You know, this church I see as a sacrificial church. You know, last year, uh, or last missions, we actually gave $20,000. It's actually like $21,000. This small group, $20,000. And what, that, what did that result in? Lives being changed for God. Souls being won. Impure spirits being driven out by it. You know, we have people here that got baptized like Brooklyn, like Kiera, like Linda, like Grant, like Kieran. And those are the souls. How much are they worth? How much are you willing to give? You know, I, I, I put before the church to, to, to have a goal on their heart to give for missions. You know, have you got that goal yet? I would say a lot of us haven't because you, you guys haven't came to me and actually told me your goal. Maybe you're, you're, you're wrestling with faith. Like, I don't know how much I can give. Well, what's on your heart? What's, what, it's not how much can you give. It's how much can God raise through you to give. You know, uh, right here, Legion, if he can change, anyone can change. And through, through giving, we can change people's lives. You know, our goal this time is $10,000. $10,000, to be honest, like, I, I think we can hit that easily. I think we can even blow past that. Like, right here, Jesus 
spent $400,000 for this guy's soul. How much are you willing to give for a soul here today? Amen. You know, if Legion can change, you can change. And through prayer and going after it and making a difference by sharing your faith and hitting missions, you can change other people's lives as well. You know, I want to end out with this quote and this story. It says, one day, a man was walking along the beach when he noticed a boy picking something up and gently throwing it into the ocean. Approaching the boy, the man asked, what are you doing? The boy replied, I'm throwing a starfish back into the ocean. The surf's up, the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them back, they'll die. The man said, foolish kid, don't you realize that there are miles and miles and hundreds and thousands of starfish? What difference can you make? After listening politely, humbly, the boy bent down, picked up another starfish, and threw it back into the ocean. Smiling at the man, he said, I made a difference with that one. And each and every soul that we invite out, that we share with, that, that it, 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 it studied the Bible with in, in a foreign field, is a soul that makes a difference. It's valuable. It's precious beyond measure. And God wants that soul, and he wants to work through you to get that soul. You know, what starfish are you going to pick up and throw into the ocean this day, this week, this month, and this year? You know, we can make a difference by making a change. Not only in your life by prayer, but in other people's lives as you share, as you evangelize, as you get a personal Bible study. And as we raise the missions, uh, our missions goal is due November 26th, and we're going to hit it out. It's going to be a great victory for the church and to glorify God, and it's going to be great, a victory for God. And now we believe I'm going to walk away saying, hey, anybody can change. I love you guys, and to God be all the glory.